Welcome virtual entrepreneurs, millennials on the go, and adventure seekers with big dreams. You found the right place. My name is Alexis Teichmiller, a millennial, lifestyle blogger, and digital creative. The Laptop Lifestyle is designed to inspire, educate, and challenge you to live the life you want every day. Together, let's unlock how to live the laptop lifestyle to the fullest. Hey, hey, Laptop Lifestylers. It is your host, Alexis Teichmiller here, and I honestly am over the moon excited to bring you today's guest. Her name is Madison Headland. So I want to tell you guys a little bit about Madison before we jump into today's episode. So Madison is a life coach, a speaker, writer, and entrepreneur who helps women own their story, step out of fear and shame, and come alive to their most vibrant, confident selves. Known for her soulful spirit, both online and in person, she brings authenticity, power, and creativity into all she does. And I can attest to this, y'all. Whether she is working one-on-one with clients, facilitating a workshop, or speaking to a large group, it is Madison's deepest desire to see women step up to their very best and truly come alive. Madison is the co-author of Be the Better Bride, the creator of the Come Alive Journaling Guide, which I have gone through and y'all should go through. I'll link that up in the show notes. It is free. She is also the co-founder of The Bravery Board where she hosts monthly gatherings and weekly podcasts, which is based out of Springfield, Missouri. In this episode, guys, you will experience Madison's healthy mindset on shame and ego, the power of giving yourself the permission to love yourself for who you are, and how to overcome imposter syndrome. This is an extra special episode because the last 15 minutes, Madison and I have an impromptu coaching session on my fears and current lack of creativity in the last couple of months. Guys, it is raw. It is real. um, And I want to share with you guys one of the quotes that Madison said that really, really stuck out with me. She said, you can't succeed when you base your success on the expectations and definitions of others. This is going to be incredible. If you guys resonate with the show, please leave a comment, whether it be on your podcast player, jump over to Instagram, uh, you know, tag me in, in any of your photos or, or comment on some of my posts and let you guys know what you think of this episode. It's going to be great. appreciate you guys. Hey, hey, Laptop Lifestylers. It is Alexis Teichmiller here. Welcome back. We are so excited to have you. I have a very special guest on the show. She's not even a guest. She's my friend. And her name is Madison Headland. And ever since I I have met Madison, honestly, she has changed my life in more ways than one. She is extremely authentic, has this incredible, contagious energy and spirit about her. And we are going to create some magic today on the show. And I'm really, really excited to have you on the show, girl. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much for all of your kind words. I'm like elated (laughs) right now for getting to come on the show, but also you're so good at honoring people and I'm feeling really good at the top of the call. (laughs) You're you're on top of the clouds and we haven't even gotten started yet. I know. I know. Thank you so much for creating just a space to feel known and heard. And I'm excited just to share my story with all the laptop lifestylers because I... I listen in, so I know how impactful just hearing someone's story you can relate to is, you know? Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly why I'm really excited to share 
your story specifically because you are a life coach and and you're an incredible one too. We're actually doing a little bit of a mini coaching session before we started recording this, <laughs> um, which thank you very much for that. But I would oh, love yeah. for you to share kind of how, how you got into that that life coaching space and, and really what brought you up to that point where you decided, I want to help people live a more authentic and vibrant life. Yeah, man, this story, I've been trying to figure out a way to tell it in a really condensed version. Like I need to journal this out because as a, as a little bitty girl, I was always the performer. Like I was creating shows to like put on for my family. And I loved like, I had a wild imagination and my family always would say, you know, you're going to be famous. You're just such a little actress. And they would always, they would say things like that. And I I was, I'm a talker. I was always a talker. I love interpersonal communication, which actually ended up being what I majored in in college. So I feel like my path to becoming a life coach was equally my destiny, like for what I'm called to do. It's who I am. But the passion behind it comes from a lot of pain. I think a lot of people who enter the self-help space, whether they're going to school for psychology or they're interested in just like personal growth, they often go into it because they're trying to find answers. And I think the same is true for like religion and all these different things. We go into these spaces because we want to know why we are the way we are, why things happened the way they did. We want hope. And that was absolutely the case for me. So even though I was like a super bubbly, bright child, it was always really positive. That was also a, a really strong coping mechanism for how painful my childhood home was. Um, without going into like way too much detail, my parents were divorced by the time I was nine months old because there was an affair. And um, I have seen uh, five or six marriages between my parents Um And so I have, this is, people always get so confused. I have six siblings and none of us have the same parents as each other. None of us. So really early on, there was a lot of like back and forth and people in and out of my life. And um, I didn't know it was weird though. Like I didn't know that wasn't normal. And I also didn't know until in school for psychology that I grew up in a really abusive household. I didn't... I had no perspective of mental illness. I had no perspective of codependency. I knew that my childhood home didn't feel good. I knew that I had major insecurity issues. And um, I really, like, I really hated myself. Like, but I just thought that was kind of what everyone was dealing with. And I didn't realize it was because there was verbal abuse, psychological abuse, sexual abuse in my home. And, um, it took a really long personal journey. So I went to, to college. I wanted to be a sex therapist and discovered through like doing internships that I just like was not ready to be a therapist. Like, so I didn't end up getting my master's degree and I really fell in love with a personal branding course. Like I, I thought it was so interesting. It kind of gave me a framework of self-love. So I like took the Myers-Briggs for the first time in that course and was like, oh my gosh, like this explains who I am. Like these qualities that I've hated in myself, they're just a part of me. So that was like the first piece of the puzzle of like, there's nothing wrong with me. Oh my goodness. And, um, at this time I was really involved in a church and I was leading women's groups and I loved teaching these women's groups. And so these are all like little pieces of the puzzle. Right. And then 
eventually I discovered health coaching after I graduated college and chose not to get my master's. And I was like, maybe I'll be a health coach. And through a long journey, I discovered that, like I discovered life coaching. And I also, at the same time, a family member of mine attempted suicide. And it kind of, they didn't succeed, which I'm very grateful for. But it really woke me up. Like it really shook me up. And I was like, oh my goodness, mental illness is a serious issue in my family. And if I don't deal with my childhood, like I could end up just like heavily medicated in denial about my life. And I just got really scared and I chose to go to therapy. And I I said that I was not going to pursue coaching until I had really just laid the groundwork of my own mental health. So I went to, I drove two and a half hours there and back every other week for six months to see my therapist. And I really gave myself to the work. And it just so happened the week my therapist was like, you need to stop coming so regularly. Like, I think he was like sick of seeing me. I, at that point, I was just like searching for the thing to fix. I was like, there has to be more. There has to be more. And he was like, hey, you need to stop coming. That was the same week I enrolled to start taking my coaching course. Um, mm-hmm. And that, again, took like another almost year from that moment to become a coach. But um, it was a really like just perfect timing. And even since becoming a coach, like the growth has been crazy. So that is the long version, but still shorter than it could be version of my story, how I ended up here. Thank you so much for sharing that, Madison. I, well, first of all, I want to applaud you for, for taking the ownership of knowing that you wanted to get things right with you first Mm -hmm. before you were able to serve others. And I think that is, I think that's something that we don't really give ourselves space to do is to take care of ourselves um, in order to pursue that greatness inside of us, you know? So share with me kind of that, that decision of, okay, I know that I'm struggling with these specific fears, or I know that this is what's going to hold me back from being my best self, from achieving my goals, from loving other people around me really well. How did you decide to make that decision of, okay, I have to take care of myself first before I'm able to pursue this massive goal or, you know, love fully? Yeah. Well, I want to clarify. I always thought something was wrong with me. So making the choice to go to therapy seemed really obvious because I was still trying to fix what was wrong with me. So it, it had never occurred to me that some people felt fine because I didn't, I didn't feel fine. I thought that I should feel fine. So I knew how to cover it up. I knew how to pretend to be like, I was always a vivacious personality. So whenever people knew and they got close to me and realized how deeply insecure I was and how I would leave social, social situations questioning myself and how did I show up? You know, did I ask enough questions? And I I had really bad social anxiety as an extrovert, which is really interesting. Um, And I think I started sharing with people, like it was kind of like people reflecting back to me. I started sharing my story with people and they were like, Madison, that's not okay that that happened to you. And I'm like, no, I'm fine. I'm like, if you know the Enneagram, I'm an Enneagram seven and their method of coping is denial. (laughs) So I knew that there was something wrong, but I just kept covering it up with like goodness, like do more good things, help more people, that really people pleasing, like if I just make people believe that I'm 
good, like maybe then I'll be good. Like if I just keep trying. And I think that issue with my family member who attempted suicide, it just kind of like, it stunned me. And it, I think it was just the excuse I needed to go to therapy. Um, I do think though, like on, especially in the entrepreneurial space and back to that, a lot of us want to help people because we are trying to help ourselves. I knew that it wouldn't be an integrity to be helping people. I was only, this was, I was 20, I was almost 23 when this all happened. And I was like, okay, I'm really young as it is. And I can either go get a master's degree and keep denying all these things and help people that way. Or I can help people through helping myself and like be the example. Cause no one had ever been that example to me. And I really wanted I wanted to know what it felt like to, to do it right, which I don't know if that came from like a good motive or not, but, um, yeah, I don't even know if that's answering your question. I just, it wasn't a question of like, Oh, maybe like, maybe I should like get help now. It was like, I clearly need help. Cause I know that I'm not okay. And just getting over the shame of allowing myself to do that. Cause I had a lot of people and family members tell me that I should just pray about it, that I just needed to forgive people that, you know, I didn't need therapy. Because it was like this duality of like to admit you needed therapy meant that something really was wrong with you, which actually I don't think that's the case. I think going to therapy undoes the patterns you learned that weren't you. So anyway, that's a whole nother story. But um, yeah, does that answer your question? <laughs> yeah, yeah, girl, that's that's incredible. You're just dropping truth bombs. I'm like taking notes over here. <laughs> I'm going to write them out and put them on my bathroom mirror. Seriously, so, so good. One of your biggest, one, one of the, you actually just said this word, shame. And that's kind of something that I was on your podcast um, about a month ago, and I'll put that up in the show notes if anybody's interested in listening. Um, it was really incredible. You're such a good interviewer. Um, but one of the one of the things that we talked about was shame and your your outlook on shame and fear and how you encourage people with your life coaching to step out of that. Um, and I'd love for you to kind of share your process there. I mean, this this goes back to like Brene Brown's work, and I think she. Is, she's amazing uh, because she's someone who's very real and authentic. And that's something I really value is someone who's, who's like living it out. That's so important to me. But she, she talks a lot about how there's a difference between shame and guilt. And when I heard her say this was whenever I really understood shame. She said, guilt is I did something bad. Shame is I am bad. And I truly felt like something was wrong with me. Like in verbal abuse in my home is a huge contributor to that. I'm also by nature an empath, people pleaser type. And I really mm -hmm. want to make other people happy. So if someone was upset with me, instead of seeing that objectively, like, oh, well, maybe that's their issue. <laughs> I would think, well, what do I need to fix? What's wrong with me? And this has been I mean, this is something that I still struggle with. It's a pattern that is so deeply ingrained in me, but being consciously aware that that is shame, not guilt, it, and that people need to be responsible for their own actions and that I'm not responsible for their emotions. I mean, that changed everything. And also realizing like, I know personality tests, they're, they're very boxy. They put you in a box, but at the same time, for me, it freed me to look at personality tests because it told me that the things I was ashamed about 
for example, I'm a big personality and I love being in front of people. I love teaching. I love sharing. I always have, but I was also taught that women aren't, yeah, like you just, you know, you're an eight, right? On the Enneagram. Yeah. I'm an, I'm an eight. I'm the boss. (laughs) Yeah. You just, you just cannot help it. You just cannot help it. And people like us take up space. And I was taught that it was wrong for women to take up space. It was wrong to want to be seen and to like being seen and to love being in front of people. And I feel like that's culture. That was my family. That was my church. And I, I had, I remember nights that I would stay up crying and praying that God would just like, I would I kid you not, this sounds so dramatic, but I was a, I'm a dramatic person. I was like, God, please, like, why did you make me this way if you want me to be different? I don't understand. And I think so much of my passion for helping women is that there is nothing wrong with them. And they've been sold just a freaking lie. Like, not, I mean, not every woman feels this way, but. I sit with women in my come alive gatherings and I sit with women in one-on-one coaching and I hear my friends and they, they believe that the things that they desire, the person they are, that the jobs that they want, the dreams that they have, that there's something inherently wrong with that, that they shouldn't want it. There's something wrong with them for being a certain way. And, Oh, I get so fired up because why would you be born a certain personality, a certain, with certain passions and then not not have that permission to be that person. And when we're told that we, that who we are is wrong from culture, from our religion, from our, whatever that thing is that tells us it's different for everybody. Um, it's crippling and it brings shame. And I just, that's my take on shame. (laughs) And that is what I think. (laughs) No, I, I love that. And I think that opens up a lot of, it opens up so many questions, but what you talked about with how we as, as people in general think that something is wrong with us, that can Mm -hmm. definitely keep us from pursuing our dreams. So Mm -hmm. whether that, whether that be, you know, creating a business or, or going after a career goal or, or really anything at all, um, it can be based and rooted in fear. Um, how, how do you approach fear? Can you use fear to fuel you? Like, how do you overcome that fear? Like for someone specifically who's scared to start something new or scared to maybe take the next step in their life or business, um, how would you, like, what advice would you give them in that space? 100% action, like action, action, action. I love taking action. I am not very patient. Um, and I actually think it's contributed a lot to my, I've grown, like even my therapist, I was there like three days ago and he, he, la- he just like looked at what his notes and laughed. And he was like, you have changed so much in the past three years. Like he just like, he's like, I just find it humorous. He's like, what, like, who are you going to be when you're 40? Like, I don't even know. He was just laughing at me because I'm like, I don't like to think about it too much because I think whenever we start thinking about it and we keep ourselves from the transformation. Like the transformation happens when we take those steps. The transformation doesn't happen by thinking about going to counseling or thinking about getting a coach or thinking about starting your business. Like it happens when you do it. And so many of us get caught up in 
imagining what it could be like, what could go wrong, like all these different options that we paralyze ourselves. And just even taking one step, like for example, uh, like my mother and I had this like really weird uh, interaction last time I was home a month ago. And I couldn't put my finger on it, but I was, I'm not the kind of person to sweep it under the rug anymore. Cause I know that that doesn't serve me. I've learned that. And so that is not how I like, I'm the expose it kind of person. I'm like, let's like shake out the rug. And so I journaled about it for the past month. I went to therapy about it. And then I called my mom yesterday and we talked about it and it was it was one of those conversations. I mean, people, we, we even avoid these difficult conversations in fear. And when I called her, she was like, oh my gosh, like I've felt so bad ever since you left. And we talked about it and we talked about these patterns that need to be changed, these boundaries that need to be set. And it was so liberating. And I was like, mm-hmm. I spent my whole life fearing these conversations. And I got off the call feeling so clean and so clear and so in integrity with my life, but fear could have stopped me from making that call and it would have kept me feeling just completely yuck. So for me, it's I'm learning that immediate action sometimes isn't always the best. Like I should be thinking about what I do a little bit, like that time to process, but yeah. making sure to hold yourself accountable to take the action and to move forward. Because if not, I mean, our mind just gets us in a deep, dark rabbit hole of fear. Preach girl, man. I love that you, that you took that action, but you, you were intentional about it too. You know, you, you sat down, you journaled, you even went to, you even talked to your therapist about it, which I think is incredible. And you wanted to go at it with love and you wanted to also, you know, be in a rational mind. Sometimes we make decisions based off of emotion or we make a really snap, you know, comment because we're hurt or because what somebody else did to us was painful. And we don't sometimes Mm -hmm. sit in that feeling of, oh, why did that hurt? Like, why Mm -hmm. am I feeling discouraged? Why am I scared of this? Why am I scared of failing? Um, So that's awesome. Something I want you to touch on while we're on this topic of fear is the imposter syndrome. So Mm -hmm. that and it kind of explain what the imposter syndrome is and how like your approach is to to overcoming that because that's something that I feel I, I've been suffering with imposter syndrome for the last couple of years. <laughs> so it's something I that I get over and then it you know swoops back in in different forms. So help me. <laughs> Absolutely. So I was very luckily introduced to the imposter syndrome by Tanya Geisler, who has a TED talk on it. I watched her TED talk and then she was at an event I was at for coaching and I got to meet her. And it was right before I launched my coaching business, right before I launched my website. And she coached me right there in person and then got up and did the keynote. And I was like, wait, what? Like what just happened? Um, And she defines it as that voice inside your head that says, you can't do that. You're You're not allowed to do that. You're not allowed to shine that bright. And then once, like once you get over that first initial, like, okay, well, I'm doing it now. I'm going to do it now. It's the, who do you think you are? You really think you're that special? Like you really think you're that awesome? And she just, she talks about how it's this voice that only sociopaths don't have. So if you have it, it means you're normal, but it's in apparently I've heard this, I'm not the scientist who discovered this, but women struggle with it in a different way than men. Like men are more likely to take the risk and women are more likely to get stuck in this. 
And, Mm. oh my gosh, it's, it's the like, it's like becoming a victim of the success. It's really bizarre. Like, I remember whenever I first, like my coaching business started doing well and I was like, why is this happening to me? Like, I don't deserve this. And my coach was like, you're being a victim of success now. Like you were a victim of non-success and now you're just being a victim of the success. Like own it, just own, just own it. But those thoughts still come up. Like, I'm not going to lie. Like I still have those thoughts of like, I don't want to, I want to shine by like not too bright. Like I want to like, <laughs> I want to be honest, but I don't want to make anyone uncomfortable you know, and you you just can't have it both ways. You just can't. So how do you choose one? Like, okay, I'm going to put that voice aside. Is any ounce of that voice healthy to combat ego? Um, oh man, this is something I really struggle with. I, some of my desires, I like, like, for example, I recently discovered that I really love like talking to groups of people. Like I love being keynote speaking. Like I keynote speaking is like, it just lights me up. It freaking lights me up. Mm-hmm. And I was like asking myself, like, is this rooted in ego? Do I just want attention? And I think part of that even goes back to the fact that I think getting attention is bad. Like that's a belief that I hold that like, it's bad to get attention. It's bad to be seen and like it. So I'm like really working through that in that area right now for myself, because I think you can enjoy something that could be like egoey and it not go into that category um, of like, whenever you typically think ego of like, I'm awesome. And like, I'm the best. Like I have been in the, the state where I have gotten up, given a presentation and felt so grateful and so alive. And that did not feel like ego. But I loved the attention. Like I, and not just the attention of like, cause I love attention, but because it felt right. I felt like I was supposed to be there. It felt good. And really identifying the difference between something that feels good and cause just like that, hell yes, this feels amazing. And this like, aren't I amazing? Like there's a huge difference. And I think we know in our spirit. So again, like I think we know by, by doing like we know by doing the thing and by how it feels and by just being honest with ourselves, like, cause I had to be honest with myself that it wasn't ego that was driving me. But also sometimes like, like there, there's a, there's this party that I'm invited to this summer of people who don't like me and think what I'm doing is ridiculous. It's like a reunion of old friends. And I was like, I'm going to go to that. <laughs> Wait, Hold on really quick. Like, <laughs> I love that you just said that because you're like, I'm, I'm going to this party where no one likes me. Like having such awareness like that and being okay with it and still loving yourself. <laughs> like, that's so great. Please proceed. It wasn't I want to hear way. this. It was not always yeah, this way. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> but I mean, I mean, I'm a, I was invited. So I guess that means someone that was there likes me and maybe I'm just like overthinking the non-like but I've had people in this group group sit me down and tell me that what I'm doing is wrong that what I'm doing is against God that what I'm doing is leading people away from truth and that I'm doing it just because I love myself and that's wrong and like I kid you not this was a real conversation and these people don't follow me on Instagram but like will create my stuff you know like they don't talk to me about what I'm doing. Lately, some, some people from that group season of my life are reaching out and being very kind. And I'm not saying everyone there is like awful, 
because they're not like that conversation, that girl meant it in love. It wasn't love, but she like tried to love, I guess. Um, but I was like, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to show them how amazing my life is. And I'm going to go and I'm going to just like be so myself, just make them so uncomfortable with how myself I'm being. Cause I, I kind of like am ashamed of how insecure I was whenever I was with this group of people in my life. And I was talking about it and I was like, I, th- I think I said the words, I'm going to prove to them. And then I paused and I was like, oh, that's ego. See, like, because the ego doesn't always look like, like that attention that I was thinking ego was. Like my ego was just wanting again to prove that I, that I am who I am, to prove that I'm awesome, to prove that I'm amazing to people who don't see it. And for me, that was an immediate no. And then I declined the invite on Facebook. And I was like, yeah, I'm not going to that. Because as awesome as it would feel to prove to them, it's not my job to prove to them anything. Man, that's so freaking powerful. I mean, if I could have had you tell me that at 16. (laughs) (laughs) Me too. (laughs) That could have saved me a lot of, a lot of insecurity. Um, that's actually something that I'm, I'm currently kind of facing too, uh, different seasons of my life, different friendships, um, who don't, who it's like, oh, well, I'm going to prove to them that I made it, or I'm going to prove to them that, that I am, you know, that I'm okay is really what it is. Mm-hmm. I'm going to prove to them that I'm okay. And that I'm, that I am good. And that's a really interesting take on ego that I, I guess I didn't really see ego like that. And now I do. And thank you for sharing that. That's really powerful. Um, something yeah, that you see, you know, I, I might still I, go and crash the party. I might still go. Who knows what's going to happen? <laughs> it hasn't happened yet. So I'll let you know if I change my mind and get really egoly and go and I'm like, what up? Here I am. I don't know. I don't know what's going to happen yet. <laughs> so we'll see. Well, I, yeah, please keep me posted on that. And I will be sending you lots of good vibes, uh, for, for your <laughs> ego in, in, in that, in that, at that party. Um, so something that, that I kind of briefly spoke with you about that I think would be really, really fun is up to this point, we've really like dug in on fear and shame and Mm -hmm. your story and, and imposter syndrome. And these are all things that we struggle with as entrepreneurs, as humans every Mm -hmm. single day. And you are such an incredible coach and you have just this, just like amazing, powerful spirit that can really offer a lot of clarity. And so as scared as I am, I would like to kind of transition this and <laughs> allow you to coach me right now um, through just some difficult, not difficult, but just some different like indifferences that I'm having towards like my creative path. And this one goes out to all the side hustlers for real. Like I have a full-time job that I'm in love with, but I also have a side hustle that I'm in love with. And Madison, um, I'd love for you to kind of coach me through just that, that lack of creativity. I'm just kind of in a funk right now. Yeah. Well, I want to let everyone know two things. First of all, we did not record, like, like pre-rehearse this coaching. So it's like, this is legit happening live on the call. Secondly, I want to let everyone know that I asked you, Alexis, if I could ask you anything and you cleared me to ask you anything. So, um, this is 100% live and real and raw. And I, I guess I first want to know, like, and this is what I would do for any person coming in. Like, usually I send them like a questionnaire and I ask them a bunch of questions, like, like, what is, really going on? Like, how are you 
feeling. So if you could like share with me and everyone listening, so we have context, like what is the reality of how you're feeling right now? Okay. Um, I'm feeling overwhelmed. I have, again, like I mentioned, a full-time job that I love that I, that is taking up a lot of my creative space. And it's also right now in the season asking me to step up and be more responsible for more tasks. And so it's coming with like more things are coming on my plate every single day, which I'm excited about. I want to grow. But on the other side of things, as I'm gaining more things on my plate at work, I feel my side hustle slipping from my fingers. And that's what's making me feel very, very, um, like indifferent and unsettled because I want to be happy that I have a great job and that I'm getting more responsibility. But I also feel like by the end of the day, I don't have any more creativity left in me to do anything on my side hustle. I don't want to write a blog post. I don't want to reach out to brands. I don't, I don't want to do anything. And that's Mm -hmm. not me, you know? And so I'm worried that the more that I focus on, on my full-time job, I'm going to totally lose my side hustle. Yeah, man. Well, first I want to say like, thank you for sharing that with me and I, and for everyone listening as well (laughs) that you you just (laughs) shared with. Um, and I, I seriously, truly understand because you know, whenever I built my business, the first like year and a half, I had four jobs and it was really hard. And so, yeah, yeah, it is hard. So some of the things I heard you saying, you said something along the lines of like, I, I should be happy because I'm getting like all these responsibilities and I'm getting like, you know, my, my full-time job is expanding. It's, I should be happy because it's a good thing, but the thing I want to be doing, I can't give myself to, and I want to know with that, the fear around your creativity in this podcast is whenever you say your creativity is what I'm assuming you're talking about. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So around this podcast, what are you afraid is going to happen if you let go a little bit? I'm afraid of, well, this is actually something I, I have been journaling lately in my devotional and something I actually just wrote yesterday morning was that I'm scared of my creativity because mm-hmm. I'm afraid that if I completely like dive into it, that what I create is going to be so much far beyond what I'm able to handle. And then I'm going to have to sacrifice other things in order to like make space for that creativity. And that makes me, that, that brings up a lot of fear. It's not even necessarily like I'm scared of the responsibility, but I'm scared of really that unknown of if I go all in, what would that look like? And then what am I going to have to sacrifice in order to get that? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Totally. So like, let's talk about that. Let's talk about the things that you're going to have to sacrifice. So in theory, you're talking about tapping into your creative potential and really seeing what you're made of. And if you do that, blank will happen. Like, I want you to fill in the blank there. Like if you unleash this creative potential, if you're honest with yourself, if you really dive in, then blank? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, then I will feel the pressure to go full-time with my side hustle. And I genuinely don't want that right now in my season of life. Mm-hmm. And I think what I'm battling 
is the pressure, the pressure of people quitting their jobs and going full-time with their side hustle, which is awesome. And that's like what the laptop lifestyle is about is for people who are living a virtual life and making money from their computer. And I'm all Mm -hmm. about it. There's also this flip side of, I, I want my full-time job and I want my side hustle. So, Mm -hmm. but right now I'm struggling with how to do both, um, and still like be sane, I think. And so I'm afraid of, if I go all in and create everything that I want to create, I'm going to automatically feel pressure to like try to monetize my side hustle or try to make it into something that it's not ready to be yet. Mm. And where do you think that pressure is coming from? Probably from like one of my biggest insecurities is comparison. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, I, I, and I know this, like I'm constantly comparing my chapter one to someone else's chapter 20 every day. And so I'm looking at someone else and it's like, oh my gosh, that's so cool. They're a content creator for Airbnb. Like I want to be a content creator for Airbnb. So then mm-hmm. I'm like, well, how can I do that? Okay. Step one, two, three, four. So, but that's not realistic either because how they got there and their story is different than my story. And I'm not taking the time to honor that. Like I'm not taking the time to honor the process of this is just what being an entrepreneur feels like. Like this is what having a side hustle and a full-time job, that's what this feels like. And I think in the past month, like I am feeling that pressure and that resistance to my creativity for the first time in my whole life. And that makes Mm. me, that's where I think the indifference is stemming from. Yeah. I mean, that's a lot. And there's like 10,000 different ways if we had like a couple sessions to really dig into this, but for, <laughs> for the sake of time, um, I would love to know what you want your life to be about right now. Hit me with those questions, Madison. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> no, 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 no. It's great. What I want my life to look like right now or be like, or both? To be about. To be about. Yeah. Ooh, I want to... I really want to be a source of inspiration and action for people. So, and I get to live that out in my day job every day by helping people run their online businesses with email marketing, with ConvertKit. And I freaking love that. But there's also something about doing that my way with my mission and like through the vehicle of my brand that really excites me too. And so I want my life to be about connecting with people in a, in an intentional way, inspiring them that what they have inside them is all they need to succeed and then inspire them so much to actually take action with that. Because inspiration without action is nothing really. Like it's just, I'm motivated. Okay, great. Well, I'm motivated, but I'm not motivated enough to actually take action on something. So I want to kind of be a catalyst for people, I guess. Yeah. Well, okay. So the things that you just said, I mean, you want to be an inspiration for people to take action. You want to be connecting with people in a real and authentic way. And you're doing that both through your full-time job, it sounds like, and your side hustle. Mm-hmm. Is that right? So yeah, I'm wondering, yeah, like, I feel like I am. Yeah. So the dissonance that you're feeling is surprising because if you're living already the life you want to live, it's, and I'm just going to speak freely if that's okay. Um, of course. It sounds like you're putting a lot of pressure on yourself. And like you said, comparison earlier to do the good life, whatever that means by what, by 
the definition of other people instead of defining that for yourself. Because it sounds like either option you pick, are they're aligned with who you are and your values. And so my question would be, why don't you get to define what that looks like? And why don't you get to define success on your own terms? Yeah, that's a really great question. And I think that's something that I actually know. That's something that I have not taken the time to do. Um, I haven't taken the time to really define what success looks like. Like I'm not motivated by money at all. Like my, my motivator is not like finances. My motivator is like impact and influence. And mm-hmm. so I feel like, I feel like, but I haven't really defined what success with influence looks like. And I'm not talking like I want to be famous or have my face on the cover of books, which sometimes I do. So, and that's not my ego. That's just because I've always wanted to be a writer. <laughs> but yeah, that's fine. I think on the flip side, <laughs> yeah, yeah. On the flip side of that, I... I don't really know what success looks like with influence because whenever, Hey, I want to be successful and I want to make a lot of money. I can count dollar signs in the bank. Boom. Okay. I'm successful. I have reached that, that lever. But when it comes to, I want to be successful with influence and impact. How do you measure that? I think that's honestly like right now, I'm just realizing like on this call that I have not, I have not really defined any like success parameters for impact or influence. And I think because I haven't done that, I feel like what I'm doing right now is all for naught. Like it's like, well, I'm not really succeeding in anything. Yeah. And you're defining success by what it has meant for other people. Right. Like that's not like whenever people tell me, Oh my goodness, you're so successful. I'm like, your, their perceived definition of success is what, why they tell me that I'm successful. And if it's up to me, whether or not I feel successful, like you're feeling of a success is defined by only you. And I want to, I kind of want to end with, I guess, two questions, but one of them being, is there anything that you feel like, you know, in your heart that you've not admitted to yourself around this area? Ooh, that's a really, that's a, I've not thought about that. Um, you could journal on it too. It sometimes takes you a minute, people a minute for that. Yeah, one. that's a heavy, that's a heavy one, but it's so good. That's so true. Um, something that I know is that I think something that I know is that I'm meant to be an entrepreneur and sometimes I fight that. It's like, I'm fighting, I'm fighting that journey because I'm not ready for it yet. And it's like, I know that I was meant and born to be an entrepreneur, but I'm, I'm sometimes scared of that, of what that journey will look like. And so I resist it. Yeah. And it's scary for me to say that out loud. <laughs> yeah, man. I think that it's amazing. And I'm, I'm like so honored that you're, you're sharing this journey with everyone listening, because I think so many people are going to relate to what you're talking about. I know I do. Like, I know I relate to that. I know that the journey of entrepreneurship, which yes, I'm a life coach and yes, is about helping people, but it's also very much entrepreneurship. And it's very much like you never arrive and it's the now, but not yet. Like in, in the sense that like, you already are an entrepreneur, Alexis, like you already are, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you're, you're already doing it. And mm-hmm. something you shared in the podcast with me that I want to remind you of was, you said that entrepreneurship is a mindset. 
And I think, yeah, you're getting throwing, back you're, I like that. how you're throwing my words. You're throwing my words back at me. <laughs> oh, I have the best memory. It, my husband hates it. I'm like, well, that one time I quoted exactly what you said. <laughs> but I, yeah, like you said that, like you said it, it's all about the way that you think about it. And which is perfectly comes back to what you're saying now is like, you need to define success for yourself. You need to define what the good life looks like for you. And in everything that I do with all my clients, it comes back to, are you living your values according to you? Like, are you living your values that you've defined, which I do with them. So I would really encourage you and I'll send you a worksheet on it too, to like get really clear about your values and then give them a personal definition and see what is out of alignment. Because a lot of times when these feelings of like dissonance and something is off and we just can't figure out what it is, a lot of times something's out of alignment. And if we haven't given attention to what we value and what we want our life to be about, we can, so I defined this the other day and I like put it in the notes in my phone, which I don't have on me, but it was like something along the lines of, I think that your all of your pain points in life come from either being out of alignment an unhealed wound or like a faulty way of thinking. Mm -hmm. And I don't know if that's scientifically true. It just kind of happened to me while I was driving and I voice texted it in my phone. (laughs) And so, (laughs) but it would be worth looking at like, what do you believe around success? Which is your thinking? What is your life in alignment with your values? Which is like the way that you want to live out all of your beliefs. And is there anything here that, might need to just be healed and loved on a little bit. I know what I'm doing tonight. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, girl. <laughs> Sometimes like no, no, this, like, is, this is so good. <laughs> they're like, thank you. I'm gonna go cry. <laughs> like, I'm sorry. <laughs> I love you. <laughs> no, this was honestly invaluable to me, and I I really hope that that for everybody listening that this was helpful for you too, maybe in where you are, maybe you couldn't relate to everything that, that we shared in this like mini coaching session, but hopefully you were (laughs) able to pull some nuggets that were applicable to where you are right now, because, um, I get it. The struggle of, of balance, which I don't even really believe in balance because I feel like you will, Mm -hmm. you will always be giving more in one area than the other. Um, it's very difficult to try to keep everything balanced in your life. Um, I get that struggle with you guys and like the laptop lifestyle is, is for these kind of conversations where we can talk about how you really are kind of juggling two different desires is really what it is. Um, and, and really the fears that, that, kind of stem from those desires. So Madison, thanks for taking me through that journey. Even though I am feeling a little bit insecure right now, (laughs) I'm excited. (laughs) No. And I want to just reiterate that like, this is so, so much a journey. And I think we can get so hard on ourselves for not nailing it every single time. Or like I have clients email me and they're like session two, like I don't have it figured out yet, but I'm like, but you're, you're figuring out what doesn't work sometimes in a lot of times figuring out what doesn't work is half the journey because if you can like get through some of those beliefs that aren't working and like sometimes this journey, like whenever I was going through therapy for the first time, I described it as someone cutting open an old wound and ripping out all the scar tissues so that could heal correctly. And that is like not fun, mm-hmm. but no. it is like wholeness. And I think that is, 
that is what the journey is about. And a lot of people come into coaching, like, help me be happy. I'm not happy. And I want to figure out why I'm not happy. Help me be happy. And I'm like, well, we're not trying to be happy. We're trying to be whole. And sometimes it's uncomfortable. And sometimes it's, it makes you feel insecure. But at the same time, on the other side is wholeness and aliveness and freedom. And man, that feels freaking good. So I just want to encourage you because like that was brave of you to come on this call on your own podcast and just like expose all your fears about the podcast. You know, (laughs) like that was really brave. (laughs) Well, thanks for, thank you for making me feel comfortable enough to do that. Honestly, like if anybody ever is interested in coaching, please look up Madison. I mean, she's incredible. She is the creator of multiple things, a part of multiple things we didn't even get to get into today. Um, I should definitely, we should do like a part two um, of this interview. Oh my gosh. We need be, to. This is just fun for me. And I want to mention, I have, um, I, don't, I don't know if you've done it. I'm not trying to be promo-y, but I do have a, a free download on my website. It's a 31-day journal guide. And so it asks these tough questions that most people just don't think to ask themselves. And I get the best feedback on it. Like I, day 14, I'm not even going to tell you what it is, but on day 14, everyone emails me like, oh my goodness, day 14 kicked my butt and I'm in tears. And I'm so grateful, but it's, it's literally just 30 days of journal prompts and it doesn't have to be a big deal. It doesn't have to take a lot of time. I think I prompt five minutes in the morning in the guide, but it can be like you read the question and then you go to yoga and do your yoga practice and just think about the question. And it just helps you. I think a lot of what coaching is, is, is help people discover their own truth, their own answers. Because like you said earlier, Alexis, you already have everything you need inside of you. It's just tapping into that. Yeah, I agree. And actually, I did download the Come Alive journal. And I'll look. I will. Yeah, girl, I will link that up in the show notes. It's called the Come Alive journaling guide. And I'll link that up for sure. That's really, really helpful. I'm not all the way through it, but after this session, I'm going to, I'm going to like <laughs> speed through all 31 days. I'm going to go through all 31 days tonight. <laughs> it's a binge. Don't do that to yourself. Don't do that kidding. to yourself. <laughs> but, oh my no, gosh. It, go ahead. Go ahead. ahead. I was going to say that it's, it's one of those things that so many people actually don't get all the way through. And just they come back to, it's not like you have to get it done in 31 days. It's a nice challenge, but like be kind to yourself. Cause I think whenever I did my own challenge, I skipped like five days because it just, it didn't feel good. And I like to listen to myself and I come from being like, I am a super extreme person. And so rules for me cannot, they're not always the best. Cause I, Mm -hmm. that's where like some shame comes in for me if I don't meet all the rules. So I like to give myself a lot of grace uh, because, yeah, rules and dogma, just they have never worked in a healthy way for me. So just take it easy. <laughs> <laughs> well, I appreciate that that kind of like preemptive, like overview of, of how we should be kind to ourselves, because I totally agree with that. This has been so much fun. I mean, it's been fun. It's been a little painful, uh, but sometimes <laughs> the best, <laughs> I'm just kidding, just kidding. The best growth comes from areas of pain. And because you're able to really grow and understand yourself better in that. And I feel like no one can communicate that better than you, Madison. Um, I wish that we could talk for hours upon hours. And honestly, too. guys, if anybody's 
interested in coaching, please check her out. Um, I would love, actually, I have one more question for you, Madison. Um, But before I ask it, I would love for you to share where people can find you online. Absolutely. Yes. So um, you can find me at madisonheblin.co. Not com, you'll eventually find it. I mean, Google is really helpful, but um, madisonheadland.co. And um, I am no longer blogging as regularly, although I do have some free resources on my website. Where I send most of my love is to the tribe. I send weekly emails to my tribe, and it they're they're truly like my heart. That Amazing. is the heart of my business. And um, for fun, Insta Stories is where it's at. Like I'm Insta Storying every day. So, um, and my Instagram is at Madison Headland. So either on the tribe via my website or, um, on Instagram. Yeah. And I'm a part of her, her email list tribe and girl, those emails that you send, I am not even kidding. Like you can tell that your heart and soul are in them. I mean, there's nothing that you can't teach that. So I am taking pointers from you on, on how to write incredible emails, but also just connect, you know, via the written word. And yes, her Instagram is the bomb. Please go check her out. I'll I'll link all of these things up in the show notes. So girl, my last question for you is what does the laptop lifestyle mean to you? Hmm. Oh, I should have like thought about this in advance. Let me think about it. Um, the laptop lifestyle. I like, like I told you earlier, I don't like rules. And I feel like living a laptop lifestyle has allowed me to create my own rules with my life. Um, I recently posted something on my Facebook about like how I take lessons from my dog. Like no one had to tell her. She's so sweet, by the way. If you follow me on Instagram, Insta Stories, she's all over that place. Um, she's so cute. But no one had to tell her how to be a dog. No one had to tell her the way that she has to run and catch a ball and how cute she has to be. She just is. And there's no rules or shame or shoulds around her life. She just exists. And I feel like the laptop lifestyle is a really cool example of what it means to create your own reality and like create your own rules, which I'm all about. And I will say as an extrovert, working from home has been really hard, but I have, I'm realizing I have the permission to go work at a coffee shop if I want to. And that is freaking awesome. So it's been really, I'm new to the laptop lifestyle game. Like my entrepreneurial journey happened like really fast. And in the last four months, I'm just realizing that I have permission to create a life I love. And I don't have to feel bad about that. I mean, that has changed everything. 